This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. The boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual with me in studio, my co-host... Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. How are you? Good, Wally. How are you? Uh, I got a little chuckle this morning because you're, uh, you're, uh, you're decked out in, uh, in your Buffalo Bills gear this morning. You got the cap on. You got the Bruce, Bruce, Bruce Smith. Uh, We're going to the set. Super Bowl, yeah, buddy. going all the way. Yeah, We're certainly uh, Buffalo Bills fans are on a high. Big game, big win against uh, the Cowboys on Thursday. And to uh, celebrate... Joining us at 9.20 this morning, the voice of the Buffalo Bills from One Bills Drive, John Murphy. Also joining us uh, later on in the hour, uh, Toronto Raptors analyst uh, uh, Leo Routens. The Raptors are on a roll. They're at 14-4, and four, big game against Utah. And uh, uh, Leo's former coach of national uh, Canada's national basketball team and some uh, big announcements in, uh, in the basketball world. A lot of the big NBA, Canadian NBA stars have committed to trying to help Canada qualify for the Olympics in the qualifying uh, tournament that's happening in June in Victoria. So we're thrilled to talk to Leo about that. Uh, Naz, uh, we usually start off with Leaf Talk, as usual, um, Last Sunday, we were uh, on a high. The high continued during the week. Uh, blew out the Detroit uh, Red Wings on, 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 I guess it was Wednesday night. That's, I guess, in today's NHL, that's not considered much of an accomplishment. Although we'll take the, we'll take the victories any way we can. Um, doubleheader against the Sabres Friday afternoon game down, uh, down in Buffalo. Uh, familiar that, story. <laughs> familiar story with that one. And, uh, last night, uh, we win that one in overtime, and that's a familiar story too. So, Naz, I'll let you, uh, I'll let you uh, uh, elaborate a little bit more. What you mean by familiar story? Backup goalie lets in five goals. They lose six four. The backup goalie has given up an average of five goals a game. And Frederick Anderson in the last four games has given up five goals with a save percentage of nine seventy seven. <laughs> And he is an awesome goalie. And what you, as Don Cherry would say, show me a good goalie, and I'll show you a good coach. <laughs> yeah, and a good penalty killing system too. Um, yeah, Fred, it's it's pretty tough not to be successful when Freddie Anderson's playing like like he did. Uh, the quite frankly, other than I guess the first period on um, on Friday afternoon. It, Seems like the Sabers outplayed the Leafs for most of the week, most of the Friday and Saturday game. Um, certainly last night, uh, breaking down the scoring opportunities, uh, Buffalo had 15 good scoring opportunities. The Leafs five. 
They rang uh, three of them off various uh, various parts of the crossbars of the posts, and a controversial one where uh, where Freddie Anderson uh, put to put his mitt on on the puck, and uh, it was hard to tell. It looked it, in, though. It looked it, in. Well, it looked like it was in. I saw a close up photo of it this morning. It's it, there's not enough evidence there to overrule the call, and that's basically on uh, the basis that uh, the officials upheld it. You couldn't tell. Uh, certainly on ice, it's it was impossible to tell. Even on the even on the shot that they took from the overhead, you know that you can see sort of a black outline in the mid, but you can't you can't tell a hundred percent. So the the refs in the NHL made the right call. There 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 just wasn't enough evidence to overturn that. But Anderson, you know the Leafs, um, you know the bad were it to into the Babcock uh, post Babcock era and the Sheldon Keefe era. What are we now four and one? Four and one. Four and one. So we're five games in. We, we chatted with Carlo Koliakova last Sunday uh, and Michael Trakos, and we thought that we'd get a better idea, uh, the performance of the Leafs, once we got into this about six, seven, eight games. And and we're almost there. Uh, we've, seen, we've seen some positive. Uh, certainly the energy from the team in the first couple of games, um, natural reaction. Last two games, um, maybe I'll knock on wood here, Naz. Um, we're both Leaf fans. Um, they seem to be reverting to form, um, which may, which which is not a good thing. And and as you highlighted, uh, big problem on a go forward basis is is their backup goalie. Now the entire team speaks um, speaks well of Michael Hutchinson. Apparently, he's a likable fellow. Uh, nobody really wants to dump him on, on him from a personal level, uh, but he isn't getting it done. And, you know, it's you, you can blame the team all you want. Um, save percentage isn't that great. He's been put into some difficult situations. We would have thought Friday maybe that would have been his breakthrough, but it wasn't. Uh, and this is a lingering problem for the Leafs, which is going to be a very difficult problem for Dubas to correct. That's for sure. It's uh, it's tough because you you can't get in the playoffs without the backup goalie producing something. Columbus and Toronto are the only teams that don't have a, a win with a backup goalie. Very tough. Very tough. They need to do something very quickly because what I noticed about Hutchison, the shots are going through him. When a goalie is there and it just they just go through him. No, re- he, he's not even close. He looks like he's on the fourth Buffalo goal on Friday. Friday. Um, it looked like a shooter had half the net to shoot at. Yeah, it, it's it's a really vicious cycle for a goaltender to get out of because goaltending is so much about confidence, and it's not only about the confidence of the goalie; it's the confidence of the team in front of their goalie. And if if both of them are suffering from that lack of confidence. Um, it makes it it makes it very difficult um, because a team a team doesn't have confidence in their goalie they play differently and they play tentatively. Um, how you turn that cycle around? Uh, you know that's 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 an interesting interesting project for Sheldon Keefe and it probably <laughs> it will be the most important thing he he needs to turn around in the next couple of months. Um, you know, I'm sure these. I'm sure they've got all the sports psychologists you can possibly imagine. But you know, one of the, one of the one of the best qualities of a coach is putting putting your players 
in positions to succeed. And they've they somehow they've got to build. They've somehow if they if they can't find a backup anywhere uh, in the league, and you know they're you know good backups are not you know they're 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 such hit and miss. <laughs> you know, really well, they miss. had a great one, but they let him go, McElhaney. But uh, I don't want to get into that discussion. That's that's the past. Um, good luck trying to find one. Good luck trying to find one. And in the meantime, uh, you better work with Hutchinson. Uh, Keith, you better find the right positions to put him in and in the right games. And somehow you've got to get this kid some confidence back. But if Buffalo wasn't the right game, what is the right game, Wally? Well, it's, 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 yeah, the, 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 the issue is that it's, he's going to get those back to backs, right? And under, ba- under, in the Babcock era, he was getting the back end of the back to back. Surprisingly enough, uh, you know, in the post Babcock era, in the Sheldon Keefe era, he got the front game, but so it was did, a road did, game. Did it, did it make any difference? Uh, no, but it was a road game. Maybe if the back-to-back, if the first one was a home game, maybe that's what we're looking for. And they've got, I think they, uh, don't they have back-to-backs this week too? I think they got Philly on Tuesday and Colorado on Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken. I think Philly's on the road and Colorado's at home. Maybe wrong, but uh, I think we're going to see Hutchinson again this week. And we've got our fingers crossed. Man, it would be great if we could uh, if we could get him a result. It's got to be pretty demoralizing for him. To uh, you know, to keep being trotted out there, and the key, team keeps losing in front of you. You're forcing the team to score six goals to win. Pretty well, you difficult. can't you can't survive like that. No. And you know, a goalie's got to have a safe percentage at least. Uh, you know, you can't have a safe percentage of less than nine point zero zero in today's NHL and and be successful. And you you talk about Freddie Anderson's. It's he's it's, in, it's he's astronomical. In his own right now. He's in his own and Don, right. our friend Don Cherry says, uh, I think he was quoted recently as saying he's the best goalie on the earth right now. So. Uh, um, Speaking of Don, he was going to join us, but uh, decided not to at the last minute. I understand why. And he will join us in the new year. He's committed to me to join us in the new year. So we're going to have Don Cherry in the upcoming season. Yeah, we, we talked a little bit about Don last week. We left it off and uh, opinion is divided. Um, what and what I, you know, if we get the opportunity to talk to him on the show, and I know, Naz, you've been chatting with him. Uh, if we get the opportunity to talk with him on the show, uh, in January, we'd love to have him. Um, what I, I want to make sure it doesn't get lost in the Don Cherry story. Um, you know, obviously because of recent events, people have focused on the negative, but there's so much about what Don has done over the years. He's a controversial figure. Um, he's not politically correct. He says what's on his mind. Sometimes, sometimes his remarks over the course of time. Some of them have been, I guess, insensitive to some people. And, and, uh, but you know where Don's heart is. There's one thing about Don. He's genuine. He, he, you know, if you opened up his chest, I don't think you'd find a heart. I think you'd find a big maple leaf. Nobody, nobody's more a prouder Canadian or, uh, uh, speaks, uh, he's a true patriot in, in the best sense of the term. And, you know, I, I just want to, Put it out there. Let's not forget some of the good things he did, uh, and and continues to do his work with veterans. Beyond all the veterans, love him. Spent Christmases in Afghanistan. Um, his work. You know, here's here's an interesting one. His work with he was one of the first. Him and him and his him and Rose Cherry were one of the first advocates, strong advocates for women's hockey in Canada, going back to the late seventies and early eighties. Um, the Rose Cherry Foundation, um, uh, 
his work with, with, with pet foundations, pet rescues, his work with children with disabilities and sick kids hospitals and law enforcement. Uh, so many great causes, so many great things that Don Cherry has done. And, you know, I'd love to be able to chat with, uh, to chat with Don about the positive, um, and acknowledging the fact that like all human beings, we're all human beings. None of us are saints. And, um, and uh, he hasn't been perfect, but let's not forget all the great things he's done either. That's for sure. And uh, we want an opportunity to chat with him about those things as well. Um, and we also, we've also, when we've always had the chat about Hockey Hall of Fame, um, we've always been big advocates of Paul Henderson being in the Hall of Fame, and we've always been advocates of Don Cherry being in the Hall of Fame. Uh, you can you can disagree with Don's politics all you want. Um uh, but how he, his influence, good in most respects, some people might think not so good, but uh, his influence in hockey in Canada over the course of the last 40 years, if, if, if that isn't deserving of recognition in hockey's Hall of Fame, just like we've been advocating for Paul Henderson, and as I don't know, um, I can't see, the, the, the committee tends to be, Error on the side of political correctness. Uh, the last controversy, if there was any push to push Don into the hall, that's probably put and put on um, on hold. Uh, but uh, you know, we went back to our discussion with Pat Burns, uh, and to this day, I I just think it was uh, unfortunate. Is a gentle word. I would, I would, if I wasn't on the radio, I would use a lot stronger word about the Hockey Hall Selection Committee. Putting Pat Burns into the hall after he passed away, when everybody knew he was going in the hall and everybody knew he wasn't well, um, that was just regrettable and unfortunate. Uh, and we'd love to see Paul Henderson and Don Cherry in the Hockey Hall of Fame while time still permits. Your thoughts? Well Matt? said. Well said, Wally and. Uh... Don, like he said, like he told me, he'd be coming on in the new year, and uh, we'll talk to him then. A uh, couple of minutes before we go to break, Naz, really, really quickly. Uh, we always talk college football. College football's coming to an end. Uh, Bama has didn't have. Uh, We're out of it's it. Too bad eh? I don't have Franceschetti in studio this morning. I don't want to rub it in. I said to you, four <laughs> weeks ago, I told you four weeks ago that Alabama wouldn't make it because their defense is not good enough, and it wasn't good. Enough. Yeah, it was a it was a great game. You know, Auburn and Alabama always play a great game in what they call the Iron Bowl, and it was a fascinating game yesterday. The uh, Alabama kicker, Shan- uh, sorry, he didn't. Shan- it, he pulled it. Uh, he hooked the ball into the uprights to, to tie the game, and then um, then Alabama, uh, Auburn had the ball. They were trying to kill the clock, and uh, there was too many. To what they call it, in, uh, too many. They had twelve players on the field, and that sort of sort of ended the game. Uh, I think Saban was in a state of shock. I don't think that ever happened to him. And I got to take the opportunity to get a plug in for my Fighting Irish. Had an up and down season, but they finished strong. Uh, they hadn't won. They hadn't won out in Palo Alto in years. They beat Stanford yesterday, so I guess uh, that'll give me the opportunity uh, to to dust out my Rudy uh, DVD. And <laughs> sometime between now and uh, and uh, the bowl season, uh, we'll we'll watch we'll watch Rudy and Sean Aston, and uh, we'll have some fun with that. <laughs> 
We should bring out the DVDs for the Bills and look at the four Super Bowls they lost. Yeah, we got to get Marv. We got to get Marv Levy back on the show. Yeah. That would actually that's let's let's make it a point to give Marv a call this week and see uh, see how he's doing. We haven't chatted with him in a while, and hope hope he's okay. And uh, I'm sure he's thrilled to death at how the Bills are playing this year. And talking about the Bills, we're going to break, and as soon as we're back, the voice of the Buffalo Bills from One Bills Drive, John Murphy. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville declared, We'll never be the fastest. We'll never be the cheapest. We'll never be the snazziest dressed. What? Yeah, my point is, we want to be the best. At Pizzaville, we want to make the best pizza. Stone-baked, the traditional Italian way. Pizzaville stone-baked pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. Are you real ready? If you're a real estate agent, we can help you sell more homes. A business owner? We'll help show it off to the community at large. And if you're a homeowner, we'll supply accurate floor plans for every room in your home. Because selling property is all in the details. Real Tours Media. Creators of 3D virtual tours, walkthrough video, HDR photography, logos and brands. Check out the one-stop shop for successful real estate agents. Realtoursmedia.ca With a little training, anyone can learn the security business while on duty at your home or company. It's unfortunate, but a lot of security companies are just not experienced enough to handle the complex dynamics of tactical security. And that little bit of training and experience can end up costing you a lot more than you bargained for. Peace of mind, trust, and honor is the foundation on which the Regal Security reputation is built. They're driven, they're respected, and they're unrivaled. They're everyday superheroes. Visit them online at regalsecurity.ca and find out how much they know, not how much they can learn. To become a champion in business, it takes coaching, training, and bench strength. And every team needs a skilled player like KPMG Enterprise for private companies. KPMG Enterprise helps entrepreneurs and family businesses grow, strengthen, and transition by offering a full suite of services, including audit, accounting, tax, and advisory. Your business doesn't stand still. It evolves. Team up with a winner. Visit kpmg.ca slash enterprise. Let's do this. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. Are they ever wrong about sports? I can answer that in two words. Impossible. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. 
Good morning and welcome back to the Nazawali Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740 in downtown Toronto. We're on 96, 96.7 FM. Live video streaming, www.zoomerradio.com. CA. We're pleased to welcome to the Nazimali Sports Hour, the voice of the Buffalo Bills, the host of One Bills Live on WGR Radio 550 in Buffalo from noon to 3 p.m. Of course, the one and only John Murphy. Good morning, John. How are you? Good morning, fellas. Great to be with you. It's it's great to have you, John. Uh, it's been a while since we chatted, and uh, I think it's been a long time since we've been this happy about the Buffalo Bills performance. Yeah. A great performance on uh, Thursday against the Dallas Cowboys. Victory 26-15. We're optimistic. We've got a great defense. Our quarterback's uh, quarterback is... Uh, everything I think we would have wanted him to be, and he's improving by the week. John... Tell us how optimistic you are. <laughs> really optimistic. Um, you know, the, the the numbers, first of all, just show it. I mean, they, they've got, a, by most accounts, a 93 94% chance of making the playoffs. That'll be the second time in three years, by the way, the Bills have made the postseason, which is good. A, team, a, a franchise that went 17 years without a playoff spot. <clears throat> and I think, you know, you, you, you enumerated many of the reasons to be optimistic. The defense is, is outstanding. The, the defense... Based on what I saw last Thursday, a defense that essentially can beat anyone in the league, even in the postseason, because they're so good, because the defense is so good and, and so solid. It's a defense that doesn't rely on just one or two standouts either. They're good all over the place. Uh, they're optimistic because of the quarterback. As you mentioned, Josh Allen now 23 starts into his NFL career, does get better on a weekly basis almost. It's not a steady climb up, but it's been pretty steady. He, um, he is, um, you know, he's got a big, strong arm. He can run for first downs. He, he uh, is is well loved by his teammates. And I think the most important thing is something that he didn't really develop uh, since he's been here. He brought it with him, and that's an extreme competitive fire, which uh, was on display as soon as he took the field for the Bills a year ago. And uh, it serves him well. You saw it if you watch Thursday's game when, uh, you know, fourth and one, he drops the ball, a bad exchange from center, <clears throat> picks it up and reaches out for the first down. And just an incredible athletic, uh, competitive play, and I think that's what he specializes in. The, his competition, I think, inspi- his competitive edge inspires his teammates and certainly inspires fans all over, Bills fans all over. John, the development of uh, Oliver, Phillips, and Lawson has been outstanding. They've really played well in the last few games. What do you think? Yeah, and, and they're three different places, three different stories. Uh, Ed Oliver, the first-round pick, uh, did not get off to a great start and sort of uh, uh, stumbled around a little bit. He wasn't bad, but he just wasn't making impact plays. And so they eventually uh, took him out of the starting lineup, kept his number of snaps up, and his rotation in the defensive line was was pretty solid. But I think, um, let me go to, you know, with Ed first, um, he is a beneficiary of uh, some really good coaching and some really good uh, leadership by his teammates. Sean McDermott, the Bills coach, talks a lot about player-driven leadership. And I think they've done that with Ed Oliver to get, <clears throat> get him to a point where now he's making plays. He's one of the best players on the field in Dallas last Thursday because they let him know, look, your standard of work, your uh, your approach to this job is not what it needs to be. His teammates kind of let him know that, mostly by example, I think. And he, he gets it and has followed it and has made himself into the kind of player they thought they were going to get with the first overall pick. And a tremendously quick athlete who is very disruptive up front. And about a month and a half ago, he wasn't doing that because I don't think he understood what it took to play in the NFL. He does now. He knows much better now. Not a finished product yet. Um but Jordan Phillips, the other guy you mentioned, one of the other guys you mentioned, uh, replaced Ed Oliver in the starting lineup 
an interesting guy, former second-round pick of the Dolphins, who came here uh, just about a year ago now and uh, has been a major contributor. Again, a disruptive force, much bigger guy than Ed Oliver. But uh, a veteran who is on a one-year contract and playing for his next contract and uh, is motivated to win and is popular among his teammates. And I think uh, they really like what they see from uh, Jordan Phillips. And a similar story from Shaq Lawson, a former Bills first-round draft pick in the Rex Ryan era, who is also on the last year of his contract playing because he knows he can make some money here and he will make some money. He's been uh, very good up front, very quick off the edge. It took him a while, I think, to get up to speed. And I think what might be lost, and maybe one of the unsung stories of of the Bills, and I think it, it kind of applies around the league, is you know teams invest in draft picks and they they maneuver to get around the draft and how can we move up a couple of spots and get this guy or that guy, and yet they don't feel the same way about player development. And I think the Bills right now are, are a testament to how you can you can get better with the guys you have and you should get better. It's important to develop those players to coach them right and to put them in a a good culture where the, the development is is prized and and uh, a work ethic is valued. And the Bills have that now, and I think uh, teams would would uh, really reap benefits if they invested in in culture and in, in player development. Not just let's maneuver our way around the draft, but how do we get once we get these guys? How do we make sure that uh, they're ready to to grow as players? And I think that might be one of the biggest strengths that Sean McDermott brings. He's always talking about the Bills' growth mindset and the process, and and I think there's an element of patience that comes with it too when you deal with young players. Again, I think that's maybe the untold, unsung story of the 2019 Buffalo Bills. The most improved player, the most important player on the team, seems to me to be Tredavious White. He's been great. Um, He's a pro bowler for sure, John. Yeah, absolutely. He's really good last year, too. Probably pro bowl caliber last year, too. Um, He's, um, you know, a superb athlete who can run and cover anybody in the league. He did it with Odell Beckham. He's done it with essentially everybody he's played against this year. Again, very competitive guy who wants to be good. And, and I recall in uh, Tredavious' first season how down he would get when a guy would catch a pass against him or he would miss a tackle. And he almost, I don't want to say he went in the tank, but he almost uh, hit after he made a bad play for you know the rest of the game, maybe even a game or two. And he doesn't do that now. You know, He's got that great cornerback capability of uh, forgetting about the last play and looking at the next one. And uh, like I said, a superior athlete who can run and jump and cover just about anybody in the league. And uh, he knows how to play now. He's really developed a good way to play. And he's he's a delight to be around. Again, one of the more popular players in that locker room because of his uh, because of his competitiveness and his kind of his playfulness. I think we're talking to John Murphy, the voice of the Buffalo Bills. John, uh, the Buffalo the Bills are five and one on the road, which is uh, uh, from my little uh, looking around on the internet. Apparently, that's the best record they've had on the road at this stage of the season since 1966. Uh, yeah. which is uh, yeah. which brings me back yeah, to my they. favorite Buffalo Bills teams. I got it gives me an opportunity to throw Jack Kemp and Albert <laughs> Dubinion, uh throw that out because I remember those guys and uh, yeah, and I'm not mistaken. Uh, you know they were a good team, but it, it's been in five and one on the road. And generally, when you're that successful on the road, the coaching staff is doing something good. Uh, Sean yeah. McDermott's been. Sorry, go you ahead. Remember Ray Carlton from those teams? Yeah, sure. Do. Back. Yeah, he lived, I just saw him this morning. He lives around the corner from me here. Oh wow! Awesome. Uh, yeah. Cookie Gr- yeah. Cookie Gilchrist came a few years earlier, but then he was he was back and forth from Buffalo and uh, and San Diego. But Sean McDermott and his coaching staff five one on the road. Uh, when you're when you're that successful on the road, uh, 
coaching, and when you're nine and three, coaching's got quite a bit to do with it. Are you seeing anything? Oh, are you seeing anything different uh, from Sean and the coaching staff this year? Is it that the players have matured? Uh, is Sean doing anything different? Um, analyze, uh, analyze the coaching force this year. Yeah, you know, to be honest, I don't see anything different this year. But I think Sean is in year three of a, a program that he he put in place that he kind of knew where he wanted to go, and uh, there were ups and downs. And last year they only won six games, but. Uh, I, I think McDermott has a well thought out, well uh, developed plan for everything. Basically, from you know, what do we do in training camp to what do we do in the spring practices to what do we do when we go on the road and how are we going to handle road games? How are we going to handle this? That uh, he's not adverse to changing when he has to. He has changed some things, including his approach to, I think, analytics and his approach to replay challenges. But no, I think more what you're seeing primarily is. Uh, a year three of a of a program put in place by McDermott, which includes you know a no nonsense approach. And yes, there are distractions when you go on the road, and and yes, there are challenges when you're playing a team on the road. But um, they have a plan for dealing with it, which involves just going about your business, uh, paying attention to detail, and not making excuses. <laughs> Actually, I thought it was pretty evident last week when they went to Dallas on Thanksgiving Day, and the, the challenge was was obviously Dallas, and they're a really talented team. But the real challenge was getting ready to play. With virtually no practice, you know, you play on Sunday. They came in and kind of walked through a, a light practice Monday. Had a, a little bit more difficult, but not much more difficult walkthrough type practice Tuesday. Uh, walked around Wednesday and then flew. So there's no practice. But McDermott made it clear that a that's not going to be an excuse for how we play on Sunday, and b we can do this. We have a plan here, and the plan is uh, light physical work, uh, as much mental work as we can get in. You know, as much uh, classroom study. But he didn't want to overload them there either knowing that, uh, you know, there's only a couple of days between games and, and that work. I think his systematic uh, uh, approach to everything uh, uh, works well with this team. And they're not really a young team. They've got a couple of older players that make them one of the older teams in the NFL. But even the old guys have uh, adapted to what McDermott's asking. And it's pretty impressive, both uh, in terms of how they play on the road and what their process is on the road and how, how they're going to be at practice tomorrow, quite frankly. You know, it's going to be kind of a business-like, approach to practice tomorrow and one of the things i think that benefited last week on the short week uh, going to dallas is there's an awful lot of thanksgiving day hype and it's national tv and 32 million people watch that game on tv and the bills were so prepared during the week that they didn't have time to think about that or talk about that or worry about that going into the game it was like we got a game to get ready for we got a walkthrough today and then we got uh they got meeting rooms after that there was no time to worry about how many people would be watching or or what big a game, what big a stage this was for the Bills to be playing on. Uh, Bills haven't uh, played in too many national games in 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 a few years, and you uh, you mentioned uh, you know this was uh, 32 million viewers. Interesting part about that statistic is it was the most watched Thanksgiving Day game on CBS in 27 years. It was the most watched regular season game on any network in three years. Um, certainly, the Bills picked a really good opportunity to flaunt their stuff. Um, are you getting the sense out there when you, when, when you, when you travel to other NFL outposts, John, are people asking you what's going on with the bills? Are they that good? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, essentially before the Dallas game, there was a suspicion around the league that they weren't that good because of their opponents. Uh, they still uh, now Dallas is six and six. So there's still only one, a team that Buffalo has beaten that has a winning record, and that's the Tennessee Titans, who are six and five, I believe. Um, 
And for that reason, and, and believe me, the Bills didn't choose that schedule, but for that reason, people didn't think they they had much to offer. And, and that's that's a valid point, and that remains. You know, they still have some the toughest part of their schedule they're right in the middle of now. But, yeah, I think that, that game uh, – look, the Bills players and coaches did not go into it saying we've got to uh, make a statement, we've got to open some eyes. But I do do think they thought that we, we need to show people that our uh, our 8-3 and three record going into Thursday was not a fluke, that we were pretty good. And, and I think uh, they took some steps in that direction with the way they played on Thursday in Dallas for sure. John, I was uh, really impressed. I was at the Miami-Buffalo game a couple of weeks ago. And uh, mm-hmm. the Bills were outstanding. I was surprised how many Bills fans were in the stadium. We must have been half of us were Bills fans. Are they well traveled yeah. now around the league, Buffalo Bills fans? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's been that way for a while, but this year especially, uh, there was a October uh, trip to Nashville, early October, where uh, the place was at least a third, maybe half Bills fans too. And then, of course, Miami's always been a popular road game destination for. Uh, for Bills fans, and there might be more. You know, Pittsburgh in a couple of weeks, two weeks from today, they play at Pittsburgh, which is an easy <laughs> two-and-a-half, three-hour drive, well, maybe three-and-a-half-hour drive from Buffalo. There will probably be some some Bills fans there as well. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a certain pride factor. People like to show that uh, this is our team and this is how we roll, and I anticipate that will happen again when uh, when the Bills uh, hit Pittsburgh in a couple of weeks. Talking about uh, getting into the meat of the schedule, uh, things start getting tough, and it gets tough oh, next Sunday. Uh, we get uh, the Bills get the Ravens, um, and the Ravens are ten and one, uh, handily uh, uh, defeated the Patriots, and they got a big one against the Forty Niners. Uh, size up that game for us. Where, uh, where, what's the path? What's the path to victory for the Buffalo Bills against the Ravens? Well, you know, I, I'll be honest, I've watched the Ravens a few times, but they are a fascinating team of the way they, they play. It's good defense to start with, but really it's the offense that has everybody's attention and what Lamar Jackson can do. I really look forward to watching that game today because San Francisco is one of the best defenses in the league also. Um, I know the Buffalo coaching staff is, is not, this game isn't sneaking up on them. They've been aware of the challenge presented by Lamar Jackson and the uh, Ravens for several weeks now. I think they've done a little bit of prep work, probably, uh, Got to work even on their off days this past weekend looking at Ravens tape. Uh, but I don't know what the path to victory looks like. I think it probably involves uh, shutting down uh, Baltimore's ability to run, and they do that pretty well too, and then taking their chances with Lamar Jackson. And, and uh, he is a, a challenge, though, and I look forward to seeing him play today and maybe going back looking at some of their other games. Um, uh, look, the Bills' defense <clears throat> has been so strong that they, they can they can win any game they play in. I really believe that. If they can keep Baltimore down to you know a manageable score, somewhere between uh, ten and twenty points, and the Bills have a chance to win. But <clears throat> as far as the X's and O's, how they get that done, uh, I don't know. I'm sure I don't know that answer, and I'm sure the Bills coaches are still working on that answer as we speak. John, what's happening with field goal kickers? Have they gone south or something? Field goal kickers are tough to get now. They're having yeah, problems making uh, We were talking. About, yeah. It's not just Buffalo, Stephen Hauschka, who's had his struggles. I think it's a league-wide issue. I was talking to a couple of Bills officials about this a couple of weeks ago, actually down in Miami, about there's one theory that um, the, the new, and it's what's third year now, the 33-year or 33-yard extra point attempt is taking away the, you know, what was a automatic no-brain, uh, no-brainer uh, extra point kick. Um, and, you know, now it's instead of an 18-yard uh, chip shot, now it, it means something. And and maybe the stress of having that kind of kick has uh, <clears throat> led over into some of the other field goal tries. You know, I think that's a, a pretty valid uh, explanation. But it's 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 
you know, the league uh, changed the extra points to make it not so automatic, and that's happened. That's that's exactly what's happened. It's not automatic anymore, and it's, uh, you know, you, you don't get up and go to the men's room or uh, go to the refrigerator now anymore during extra points. That's exactly what the NFL wanted, and that's exactly what they got by changing that. And now it may be bleeding over into <clears throat> what were looked like pretty makeable field goal tries earlier. Now those are in jeopardy, too. I'm not sure. I haven't. I, I don't know. Is it possible to have a whole uh, league's <laughs> worth of kickers sort of freak out over a 33-yard extra point? It might be. That might be what we're seeing here. John, it might be the New England Patriots changing the ball, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe that's it, yeah. <laughs> uh, John, uh, we're talking to John Murphy. We're going to let you go, John. But on, on a last note, there's a special Buffalo Bill, special guy that's on the semifinal ballot for the for the Football Hall of yeah. Fame. Uh, we're, of course, talking about Steve Cat. Steve Tasker. Steve Tasker is beloved. Uh, he's also, he was a fantastic football player, uh, perhaps the greatest special teams player ever. Uh, 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 seven Pro Bowls, if I remember correctly, seven All-Star teams. Uh, I know we'd love to see him in, in, the, uh, in the Football Hall of Fame. I think he, he, he's got all the criteria. He filled a special niche in, uh, in football. And uh, your thoughts on, on that campaign? Yeah. Um, well, first I got to say, Steve would would uh, strangle you if he heard you call it a campaign because he. Oh, no, I know that. that. He said, I'm, "Yeah, I know." He said, "I'm not going to campaign for this." Then I get that. But look, a couple of interesting things. Uh, first of all, he's been a semifinalist before, I believe, seven times before, but he hasn't been on the ballot as a semifinalist in seven years. So something's a little bit different this year, you know. And and then when you look at the list of 25 semifinalists, there are not a lot of uh, you know uh, locks. I don't think. I think. Uh, Palomalo and Atwater, the safeties, are, are pretty much regarded as two of the best, and they're probably going to make it. But after that, I don't know if there, if there are any or many locks like, oh, you know, surefire and Hall of Famers. So I think that enhances uh, Steve's position. Um, there's going to have to be mind – look, I'm not a voter for the Hall Pro Football Hall of Fame. I have not been ever. But there are going to have to be some minds changed about the role of special teams and special teamers for that to happen. You know, the, the easy – argument people will make is like, well, you know, he's on the field for a dozen plays a game. But when you look at the impact of the plays that Steve was on and the, and the impact he made, then I think he has modified Hall of Fame credentials. And the fact that he's a semifinalist again after not being in that group for seven years indicates to me that it may be coming around that way. And um, we'll see. We'll see. It's going to be interesting. They have a, a vote down to the uh, finalists on November, January 1st or 2nd, I think. And then, of course, the, the vote itself for the Hall of Fame is the day before before the Super Bowl. Um, I know he has some support, and a lot of important, influential people support him. And, and I know this, too, and he, as much as he hates to admit it, even though he doesn't want to campaign, there is a little politics involved in the Hall of Fame election. And uh, somebody's going to have to carry the torch for him, I think, in the next month or so. Uh, we've been talking to the voice of the Buffalo Bills, the host of One Bills Live on WGR Radio 550 from noon to 3 p.m. Uh, John? Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, thanks for sharing, uh, Buffalo Bills passion with a couple of Bills, couple of Buffalo Bills fans here. Nez, we're, we're trying to get back to the glory days and, uh, got our fingers crossed for the rest of the season. John, thanks so much for joining us. That was great to talk to you. Thank you. It's our pleasure. John Murphy. Um, time for break. As soon as we get back from the break, we'll talk some basketball with Leo Routens. We'll be right back. 
This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. To become a champion in business, it takes coaching, training, and bench strength. And every team needs a skilled player like KPMG Enterprise for private companies. KPMG Enterprise helps entrepreneurs and family businesses grow, strengthen, and transition by offering a full suite of services, including audit, accounting, tax, and advisory. Your business doesn't stand still. It evolves. Team up with a winner. Visit kpmg.ca slash enterprise. Let's do this. The security business is easy, right? Anyone can learn it. Perhaps they can learn it on duty with your valuables at stake. Perhaps they can learn it in a crisis situation that requires an immediate intelligent response when lives are at risk. After all, what harm can a few mistakes make? Plenty. When it comes to security for your business or office, an experienced partner like Regal Security makes sense. Security is what they do. Peace of mind is what they provide. Visit them online at regalsecurity.ca and find out how much they know, not how much they can learn. Are you real ready? If you're a real estate agent, we can help you sell more homes. A business owner? We'll help show it off to the community at large. And if you're a homeowner, we'll supply accurate floor plans for every room in your home. Because selling property is all in the details. Real Tours Media. Creators of 3D virtual tours, walkthrough video, HDR photography, logos and brands. Check out the one-stop shop for successful real estate agents. Realtoursmedia.ca There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Opinions expressed on the Naz and Wally Sports Hour are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. They never argue sports. They just explain while they're always correct. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. We're pleased to welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour Toronto Raptors analyst, Leo Routens. Leo, good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you guys today? We're doing great. Thanks so much. The weather looks like it's getting a little bit nasty out there. So, uh... Oh, man. Hey, I just came from walking my dogs on the boardwalk. It was unbelievable. The wind, 15-foot benches getting blown across the boardwalk. It's crazy. Oh, so to all our listeners, to everybody out there, please, please be careful. Leo, the Toronto Raptors um, are off to, I would say, a pretty good start. They're 14 and 4. I will say personally uh, that I am somewhat surprised, but uh, maybe I shouldn't be surprised. Uh, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I don't think you should be. I, I, you know, coming into the season, I was actually shocked at the number of so called experts that were, uh, you know, putting this team in a whole different category because of Kawhi's absence. 
you know, I think, uh, first of all, you look at back last season, they were 17 and five without Kawhi. Uh, they had the second best record in the NBA. Um, uh, and that, that's, uh, including load management. That's including, uh, uh, trades, uh, other injuries to players, uh, and they still, and they won a championship. So when you look at all those factors and realize that, uh, the youthful side of this team that's going to continue to get better, like Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, Fred Van Vliet, uh, you know, now you got a kid like Terrence Davis, Chris Boucher. Uh, it's a, it's, it's still a relatively youthful team that has a huge upside. Uh, and I think there's something to be said for, you know, the experience of going through a championship, winning a championship, performing at that level, um, being in the presence of a Kawhi Leonard where you learn so much about how to prepare, how to play, how to handle everything. Um, you know, there, there was just a lot of carryover. And I, I think also one of the best things that happened, uh, they won a championship, but almost the next day people are saying, okay, well, you know, they're not going to do it again. That's it. You know, one, you know, one off. So, uh, they didn't have to, you know, they don't have a championship hangover. Uh, the trophy tour was kind of cut short by people's reactions. So, you know, this is a hungry team. They want to prove themselves, and uh, uh, I think it's a fun team to watch. So I'm, I'm enjoying every game. Leo, how important was the 905 team being developed for the Raptors? How important is, is that team to the success? Oh, it's huge. Uh, you know, you, you think that, see, San Antonio – used to be the benchmark for the NBA uh, and how to develop talent, how to find talent, identify players that other, other people miss, uh, get them playing in, 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 in that time, the D League and now the G League, um, you know, and, and have players ready and, and, and use the G League team not as punishment but as development. Um, you know, players would regularly go down from San Antonio's squad to the, to the G League and come back up, and, and that's how Fred, Pascal, you know, uh, Norm, they all started like back and forth between the G League. So you're constantly playing. And what, what, the important thing about having your own G League team is that you're unified with the main team. So everything that you're, you're running with the main team, you're running with the G League team. So there's no, uh, you know, you're just getting more comfortable in all the systems, offenses, defenses. Um, you know, the coaches know what you need to work on because, you know, like I said, they're, they're working in, uh, in unison with the, with the both teams, your whole organization. Uh, it's just a tremendous opportunity. And, and I think the Raptors have done a phenomenal job of, have now put themselves, in my opinion, where San Antonio used to be. Uh, now the Raptors are the team that are, you know, finding the undrafted players and finding the second round picks and, and developing these guys to the point where they're, they're making major contributions. Uh, and uh, so I think uh, it's it's been a huge, huge asset to this team. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, we Raptors lost Kawhi. Uh, they've had injury trouble. Lowry's been out. Baca's been out. Uh, they've had to go deep into their bench. And uh, Norm Powell throws up uh, over 30 points against the Magic uh, the other night. Uh, where did that one come from, Leo? Nor- uh, there, I mean, we I guess we sort of didn't realize the talent uh, you know you're uh, you're 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 closer to the situation than we are, but uh, they had they had a lot more bench strength than perhaps uh, people were giving them credit for. Norm Powell, what a performance the other night! Yeah, well, I was kind of laughing after the first uh, week and a half or so of the season. Everybody's saying, you know, you know, where's the bench? This team's doomed. There's no bench. I'm <laughs> going, hey, you know, all you have to do is look at the schedule, realize how spaced out the games were, realize that Kyle and Marcus all had minimal training camp. 
one out of fatigue, the other out of injury. Um, and, and Nick Nurse was just doing what he felt he needed to do to get everybody motivated on the same page, rested and prepared. And, you know, and people looked at that as saying, you have no bench. Uh, the Raptors do have a bench. Young players are, have been, have been special. The new additions like Hollis Rondé Jefferson has been tremendous. And, you know, Norm Powell, you look at a guy like that, it's, it's one thing to have 33 points in a game when things are on the flow. Uh, but when you have 33 points when your team can't throw the ball in the ocean and, you know, you really, you really perform at a high level to, to get a, a, a very important win on the road, that's a, that's a big time performance. So, uh, you know, Norm, Norm to me, and I've said it in the broadcast, uh, he just looks comfortable. He, he just looks like he's really enjoying himself. He's just playing the game. He's not thinking too much. Uh, he's taking the shots he's supposed to take. Hey, you're not always going to make them. You're not always going to have, you know, uh, big nights, but you gotta, you gotta just be consistent. And we're seeing Norm, you know, uh, really for the first time in his career get to a, a really nice place consistency wise. And, and that's going to be really important for this team because like a lot of these other guys, you know, Norm is a two way player. Uh, Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster have done a great job of bringing in and developing two way players. So the Raptors defensively, you know, are, are, are as good as you get. Uh, and then you also have players that are capable of doing that, you know, what Norm did the other night on offense. So it's a, it's a good position to be in, good, good way to build a team. We're talking Leo Routens. Leo, uh, there's uh, few people in this country that are associated with Canada basketball as closely as you are. You coached, uh, you coached our national men's program for, uh, for quite a few years, and uh, uh, a, a tremor went off in the Canadian basketball uh, uh, scene this week. Uh, an announcement, Jamal Murray uh, declared he wants to play for the Canadian men's national basketball team. They have a qualifying tournament. They're trying to qualify for the Olympics. The qualifying tournament starts in Victoria in June. And as soon as Jamal Murray announced it, then we got a flurry of announcements right after, which really must have warmed your heart. Um, your reaction? Well, I think it's great that uh, they came out and, and verbally, you know, made that commitment because I think uh, it's important for every other player to hear that. So the more that step up and say it, the better. But I fully expected guys to come out. I mean, for the for the people that said the guys don't want to play. That was a false narrative. Um, you know, players do want to play. They think it's an honor to represent their country. Uh, but, you know, timing is everything. And just like the United States, there wasn't a, a great representation of their best players in the World Cup simply because you're, you're now asking players to make a, you know, six to eight week commitment for the World Cup and then come back the next summer and make a six to eight week commitment for the Olympics. And, you know, you really can't do that. You've got guys coming off 100 game seasons. You've got, uh, players dealing with injuries, you're dealing with family, personal, business, everything. Um, it's an unreal, it's, it's an uh, unrealistic ask from FIBA uh, when you have back-to-back events, especially after qualifiers and all these other things. So, um, you know, I fully expected to see our guys uh, come out. Uh, I, I know a lot of these kids, and, and they do take great pride in presenting their country. And uh, I think it's going to, you know, obviously their backs up against the wall a little bit. Uh, having to have that qualifier, but that qualifier is essentially going to become their training camp for the Olympics. So if they have success, uh, and they, and which I believe they can, uh, and win the qualifier, and that's one of the great things about hosting, uh, you know, you know, FIBA, FIFA, all those, uh, <laughs> when you host, 
uh, there's advantages <laughs> and things change. Uh, you can control the environment a little better. It's a little more consistency, uh, and there's value to putting that money in. So, uh, you know, like I said, it's not going to be easy, but that, that qualifier can, you know, becomes the training camp for the Olympics. Uh, and I think Canada is going to have, I mean, they're going to be in a position where, you know, they're going to be cutting NBA players and uh, to get to the final product. And, and that's a special position to be in. And there's only one other country uh, that's like that, and that's the United States. And, and Canada's just going to keep growing bigger and better. So uh, it, it's, it's an, an exciting time for sure. Leo, Andrew Wiggins is having a, a really good year in Minnesota. Do you see him playing on this Canadian team? I hope so. Uh, but I think, you know, two things have to happen. Um, you know, he took a lot of heat for not playing last summer, but obviously look at what he's doing now, and he did everything he could to prepare for this season, and this is his bread and butter. Um, you know, I, I, you hope that Andrew Wiggins uh, wants to play. Uh, yet at the same time, you know, if, if for whatever reason he's not 100% in, uh, you know, you don't you don't want a player in in that situation. You know, there's enough guys that are, do want to play and, and – and uh, are, are, are all in, uh, that's what you go with. But uh, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I'd love to see Andrew play. He's a, he's a great young man, uh, takes a lot of unnecessary, unwarranted criticism, which I don't know why it keeps getting heaped on him. But, uh, you know, he's a, he's a tremendous player that uh, I think, uh, uh, you know, would be a nice addition to that team and uh, just, just add more tremendous depth. Uh, we're talking Leo Routens. Leo, one minute left, and then we've got to let you go, but we'd be remiss talking basketball, talking Raptors, talking men's basketball. We've got to talk about our women as well. They're fourth in the world. They're one of the, one of the powers in, in world basketball. Uh, share with us uh, uh, your, uh, your impressions of our women's national team. Well, you know, what, what they've had is just tremendous commitment, right? Uh, these girls have all placed uh, the national team uh, in a very high order, and they've had tremendous success over the years. Uh, and as a result, you know they've had great seating and 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 uh, uh, great positions in the in all the tournaments and uh, the qualifiers and so forth. So they've earned it. Uh, you know, when you have players like Kia Nurse that are so committed to it, and it just spreads all the way down. They're playing, you know, they're playing WNBA or they go to Australia and play or somewhere in Europe, but they all find a way to come back and and and. Uh, prioritize the senior women's team so you know this is a a well-coached well-organized uh and and very unified group and it's just great to see uh the respect they're getting and uh and they're going to have tremendous success as well Uh, we've been talking to leo routens leo i always finish by thanking you uh it's always a pleasure to share your insights and your passion uh for all things basketball uh i can't tell you how much we appreciate it thanks so much Always a pleasure going on. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Leo Routens, uh, golden golden age in uh, in Canada basketball. Naz, uh, we got to, you know, if we can, uh, you know, these commitments, uh, if we can get our best on the floor, Canada can play with anybody. Uh, you know, even in a, in a one game shot, in a one game shot, and everything's going our way, and we're sinking threes from all over the floor, and we have got Nick Nurse as our coach. Yeah, you know what? You never know what can happen in one game. We can beat I, the Americans, I, I, too. I like our chances, really, to yeah, qualify. Yeah, I, I, I like our chances to qualify, and I like our chances to win, to medal. Um, so hopefully things break our way. Another big story in hockey this week in, in the local area. We only got about a minute and a half, two minutes uh, to talk about it, Naz. Uh, uh, the whole 
the whole issue between Mike Babcock and Mitch Marner uh, has, you know, that came to light. Um, an incident that happened when, when Marner, I believe, was a rookie, was asked to do something. Uh, quite frankly, a coach uh, shouldn't be asking a player to do, which is pit pit yourself or evaluate your teammates in any way, shape, or form. Uh, Babcock apologized for it. Uh, I don't know if he, he says he apologized at the time, but now that issue came to light. The 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 issue out with the Calgary coach came to light. Um, are we headed towards a situation over the course of the next while where um, we're going to get a lot of players coming out saying, I was abused by my coach, whether it's a minor hockey league coach or a junior A coach? And, and, and I don't want to, I don't want to suggest this problem is, is, is a hockey problem. It's a coaching problem. Um, this might be the thin ed- edge of the wedge. Where are we going with this? I'm wondering if it's just hockey or it could be baseball or football or. Any other sport too? Is this all going to come out? I'm not sure. Because there's, you know, the, we get, and we don't have the time to, to discuss it today at length. I hope we get the time to discuss it at some point in time. I mean, there's the issue how far back you go. Um, what was the nature of what was done? Uh, was it a racial instance? Was it, a, was it a, a physical assault? Um, you know, if we're going back into the 60s and 70s and 80s, certainly when it comes to the physical abuse or emotional abuse part of it, there's got to be a lot of nervous people around right now. There's so many older players, retired players that have so much, so many stories. Be yeah. Anyways, we don't have time to really deal with that at length. Hopefully we get the time to talk about it. And I think this is going to become a serious issue over the course of the next while. I do too. Yep. Thank you for joining us today. We'll be back again next Sunday morning. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.